Miracles are a wonderful thing. And there's something to be, and there, and there are things to be shared, not things to be kept to yourself. So, our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. We'll begin in verse 18. We'll go through verse 27 um, as we go along. It is found on page 1008 in your pew Bible. And, and, and so if you did not bring a Bible with you, the pew one is there to follow along. Again, that's Mark 12, 18 through 27. And it's there where it's written. And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I look back and reflect upon my childhood, there's many different things that have influenced my understanding, at least as a child and growing up some, uh, of what heaven is like or what resurrection is like, what the afterlife happens to be. Tom and Jerry just happens to be one of those iconic institutions that informed my life in many ways that I always wish I had a younger brother to chase around like Tom had Jerry to chase around the house. But it was in this episode of, of Tom and, and Jerry, and I'm going to assume many are familiar with Tom and Jerry. Tom is a cat. Jerry is a mouse. They run around a house. It's essentially the house version of Wiley, Coyote, and the Roadrunner. And so in this episode, Tom gets crushed as he's trying to catch Jerry, and he gets crushed by a giant piece of furniture. And then as Tom's body lays there, a, a, a ghostly figure of Tom rises up and just begins going up on a golden escalator that winds through the sky. First off, I'm terrified of heights. This would not be fun, right? And, and so he winds up through the sky and he continues on up to the clouds. Now he's walking on clouds. Walking on clouds sounds like a lovely thing to get to do. 
and he's walking on the clouds, comes to a gate and sees the heavenly express. It's a golden train ready to go, and cats are checking in with their reservation. And then it comes to Tom. Tom just simply didn't live a good enough life, but there was an hour before the train could leave. So he had a chance he could go back if he could get that piece of paper signed by Jerry that said, I forgive you for everything. He says, but if you don't, and then just looks at a TV behind him filled with flames. And then the episode ends, right? And the next day we watch another episode and and Tom's no longer in heaven or trying to seek forgiveness, but he's chasing around Jerry once again. Never really impressed upon me how that might actually work. And then when I was age five, my grandfather passed away. And I'm told my grandfather and I were as as thick as thieves could be. And we would always hang out and, and go places together. But I remember being in the hospital that day. He had a heart attack. And so the family was called in. And I remember in the waiting room and then wanting to see my grandfather and begging my parents to do so. And I remember they took me back to a hospital room. They took me to an empty one. And I asked, where's grandpa? And they said, he's already gone to heaven. Things like this impact our understanding of resurrection. They impact how we understand God and the world. Have you ever pondered what heaven is like? I mean, what the afterlife is actually all about? I wonder, is there, is there a check-in station? Is there, is there some sort of little buzzer we have to get, like when we go to Chili's to wait our turn to make sure the table is reserved? Is there a test? Is there a test of theological and biblical questions that we must answer to prove we sat through enough sermons and Sunday school classes that, yes, indeed, we can get in? For those with test anxiety, you are hoping not. What questions will be asked? Will we actually get to walk on clouds? What about family and friends? Will they be there at the gate to welcome us and walk us in as our concierge tour host to show us our forever accommodations? Have you ever really wondered? The chances are that when we reflect upon our own understanding of heaven and resurrected life and what it might be like, It was more than likely informed by pop culture through TV shows like Tom and Jerry, through other movies, through books and and extra biblical writings of people claiming to have spent time in heaven to come back and tell us about it. That has probably informed our understanding far more than the actual scripture regarding this. You know, when we read our Bibles and we see 
the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and chief priests and, and these people that we deem to, to not be good people, interacting with Jesus, always giving him a hard time, always trying to trap him as they are now. We, we think, well, we, we are nothing. We are nothing like them, right? And the truth is that we actually have quite a few similarities with them. We have some similarities with the Sadducees in so much that we find it hard to fathom a heavenly living that doesn't resemble earthbound realities. It's hard for us to fathom heaven different than all of this. In fact, we, we pray the Lord's prayer, and, and, and we pray for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And if we are honest, we pray that heaven is a little bit like earth, too. And it's understandable. It's understandable that, that we don't quite fully understand what resurrected life is actually like. It would be hard, for instance, for someone who's lived within a frozen tundra away from all communication and books and pictures and people who have been to other places to be able to describe what an island in the Caribbean would actually look and feel like. They simply don't have the understanding to do so. And so it's the Sadducees who already don't believe in the resurrection. That's their main beef with the Pharisees. They already don't believe in the resurrection. They take their turn at trapping Jesus in the temple. They bring a question about afterlife realities to him, a question that feels like it was a standard question among Sadducees that when they got in these arguments with others about resurrection, hey, here is the uh, question you can use to stump them, get out of the argument, win the argument, and move on. That's what this question feels like. Here in verse 20, it picks up and it says, their scenario, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he did, left no offspring, and the second took her and died, leaving no offspring, and the third likewise. And then all seven left no offspring, and last of all, the woman also died. So their question, well, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And truthfully, we wonder too. Like, that's a, that's a great question. We want to know answers to things like this. We have so many questions when we actually sit and ponder. And then Jesus gives them a twofold answer. See, they weren't actually looking and searching for the truth. Rather, they were just hoping Jesus would trip over himself and say something to get him killed, to get him disqualified and, and moved out. He bookends his answer with not only telling them they're wrong, but that they are quite wrong. He doesn't leave them to wonder if they were even close. He jabs them by saying, not only are you wrong, you're wrong because you simply do not know the scriptures or the power of God. The Sadducees, that that came with a question referencing scriptures, and Jesus says, you don't even know them. See, their question comes not from a place 
of understanding God and his word and his power, but from a a place of ignorance. But we too wonder, not because we're ignorant, but more because we are really curious. And if we could have some answers that would bring us some assurance and certainties to the fact, and and we might be a little less anxious about our own resurrection. We wonder, will my spouse here be my spouse there? What about my kids? What about my family? What about my friends? And it's so often that we imagine heaven and the resurrected life to be a giant reunion and and endless party, minus the sin and the suffering and the frailties and the problems. Jesus says, for when, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And this rocks our world. It rocks our world because what are angels in heaven doing according to Scripture? They are enjoying God and praising him endlessly. That's what they do. And so Jesus tells the Sadducees that that their question was just too wound up in earthbound realities to see the heavenly truth. That we simply don't take up living on our lives where they left off here on earth. See, resurrection doesn't mean the continuation of all the same things, just longer. The resurrected life, the resurrected life is is one transfigured into a new dimension of life that we have never experienced. For we will be in the presence of our Father without sin without frailties, without faults, and we will experience him. And our belief in the resurrection doesn't derive from what we can prove about what it will be like. Our faith in the resurrection is based on our faith the very power of God found in Christ Jesus. That the promise, the promise that we will be with him eternally is true. See, Jesus says in verse 26, and as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush? 
He's talking about the burning bush here. Jesus is referencing the scripture in Moses, how God spoke to Moses there in that bush and said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And that's where Jesus clarifies things for us. He says, he is not God of the dead, but God of the living. So if there were no resurrection, as the Sadducees believe, then he wouldn't be God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he is God of the living. If God is the God of the living, and since God said long after those three patriarchs of our faith had long passed away, and he says to Moses that he is the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, then they must be alive. And resurrection is coming, for it is promised. And when God says he is their God, they are alive. And so we too look to Christ for our life eternal with God. And so we, as we walk, in our faith journey, we want to make sure that our, our belief in what resurrected life is isn't simply an extension of our feelings and, and, and our earthly desires, but is based on the promises. Because the promises of God found in his word, in this scripture, are so good. Our earthbound realities compare nothing to the greatness of those promises yet to be seen and lived into. Because it's for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have been promised resurrection, a life eternal. Now, there is one similarity between the resurrected life and our life here on earth. One similarity. And, and it is that the relationship one has with God continues beyond death. Other relationships among families and friends are temporarily severed by death. But nothing, nothing, not even death, can separate us from God. Oh, what a glorious promise that is. For you see, heaven and resurrection isn't about us getting to live this kind of life we have now forever. It's about being with God, enjoying him, praising him forever. And so it goes. If now you're not spending time with God, not in prayer, not reading his word, not gathered in worship, well, Amen.